edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast at jconline.com through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen with you after Purdue's 45-24 loss at Wisconsin in football. I say that because the basketball team played tonight, but Sam Keen covered that one. Uh, but uh, the loss by the Boilermakers in Madison uh, eliminates Purdue from bowl contention. Uh, their APR score is not good enough that if there were a group of five and seven teams, uh, I think the bowls will be filled by six and six teams. Uh, so Purdue basically has one more game left. And, uh, you know, we all saw this coming. Uh, it was going to be a difficult challenge uh, for this team to beat Wisconsin. But also, once this season unfolded, uh, I think we all knew that it, this would be a difficult uh, situation for Purdue to get to a bowl game. They had chances, even even with some of the injuries uh, that they've suffered. They, they, they had chances to to put themselves in a position going into the IU game uh, to have five wins and be back in a similar situation that they, they have been for the last couple years where uh, they had five wins, IU had five wins, uh, and then the winner uh, was able to go to bowl game. Now, IU has seven wins. They're already in. Uh, Purdue has four. They can't go. Um, so not a lot on the line other than the bucket coming up. Uh, uh, next week, and it's a it's a prideful game. It's an in-state rivalry. Both coaches will talk about it. Both coaches will, uh, you know, pump it up. They'll pump up their players. This is, you know, IU wants the bucket back, so on and so forth. Purdue wants to keep it. But uh, before we uh, go full bore ahead to next week, uh, let's recap what happened in Madison uh, on Saturday and. Uh, it really wasn't a surprise that Purdue came out with some trick plays uh, because right now Purdue cannot beat Wisconsin straight up. Uh, they don't have the line play on offense uh, nor the interior line play on defense to just go man-on-man against the Badgers. And that, that's been the case for several years. Of course, Wisconsin now has won 14 straight in the series. And uh, that's a reason. I mean, they've just outmatched them physically. Uh, and athletically uh, across the board and Purdue just cannot go straight up against Wisconsin and and hope to win the game and just run their basic offense. Now, that Purdue did have a lot of success uh, in moving the ball against against Wisconsin outside of the trick plays. I think 75 of their 376 yards came on came on trick plays, but Purdue for Purdue to generate 300 yards of total offense uh, against Wisconsin is is an accomplishment considering that they haven't. Uh, I only went back to 2009, and they played at Wisconsin in the odd years. Uh, and Purdue never. I think Purdue went over 200 yards twice during that span. It might have been five five games I looked at. Purdue never got to 300 yards up in Madison. Now, obviously, last year they did in the triple overtime game at Ross Age Stadium, and they've they've had more success moving the ball at in West Lafayette than they have in, in Madison. Uh, so you kind of knew Purdue would have to kind of trick its way to some plays and some yardage and some points, and it, and it, and it did. And they worked, 
Uh, you had the flea flicker that uh, uh, that got uh, a 38-yard gain to Milton Wright uh, that set up uh, the first touchdown, uh, and then you had the the right uh, the the pass from Milton Wright to Bryson Hopkins that put Purdue up uh, 17 to 14 uh, in the uh, in the second quarter, and that was you know that left uh, <laughs> left a lot of fans in that stadium. Uh, uh, excuse me, a bit stunned that uh, Purdue was able to take the lead. But Wisconsin came right back, marched down the field and scored and, and led by seven at halftime. Uh, the long field goal, the 62-yarder, which is a Wisconsin record, but also uh, that's the longest field goal against Purdue in, in, in program history. Uh, so kind of a double program record whammy there uh, by, by Wisconsin. Uh, but, you know, the offense did move the ball in the first half, and they... They did what they had to do. Purdue was going to struggle to run the ball, and it did. Uh, you know, Aiden O'Connor was on target, really. Uh, he really he had some drops. I mean, Purdue, I believe, had three chances on the first series to score a touchdown, and Milton Wright dropped the pass in the end zone. Bryson Hopkins had an opportunity. The ball got tipped. It looked like he had it. You know, he's kind of juggling in his hands a little bit. But he just didn't come down with it in bounds. Uh, and then there was a slant route to David Bell that I couldn't really tell, even by watching the TV replay, whether he got a hand on it or not, or he got blinded by the sun, because that was still the time of day that the sun was out and was kind of poking in that direction. And I don't know if David just didn't see it um, or what. But there were three opportunities for Purdue to get a touchdown on their first possession, and they had to settle for a field goal. And all of a, you know, all of a sudden you're you're behind, you're behind the eight ball because you needed to you needed to keep pace uh, with Wisconsin from a touchdown perspective uh, because I, I felt coming into this game for Purdue to have a shot they were going to have to like score points I mean they were going to have to uh, match Wisconsin they were going to have to uh, I love these signs on the uh, on the interstate uh, outside of Madison. You know, make it to the if you make it to the deer shop or deer shack sober. I guess today was the first day of deer hunting here in the state. Uh, the crowd was down at Camp Randall, but uh, I assume that was a reason why. But I love these little signs they put up: make it to the deer shack sober, and then basically do what you want once you get to the deer shack, which drink your ass off and then shoot a gun. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> um, as you can tell, the rubber's meeting the road here, uh, if you can hear that in the background. But anyway, P- Purdue did a nice job of moving the ball, and you could tell early on the defense just was not going to be able to uh, to slow down Wisconsin unless they turned the ball over, and they did. And uh, back to what I, I think I was the point I was going to make, I thought Purdue really had to score in this game and get in the 30s or maybe the 40s because I just didn't think Purdue's defense would be able to hold up. Uh, to, to make that stop, make that key stop when they when they needed to. But they, but they created some some stops by getting turnovers. Uh, Wisconsin fumbled uh, a bunch of times. They lost three. Purdue had an interception as well later in the game. Uh, so the defense the defense gave up 600 yards, including 400 on the ground, uh, but kept getting these turnovers and giving them to the offense. And the offense only scored seven points off four turnovers and that's that that's 
you just can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that. One of those turnovers that Purdue couldn't convert came late in the first half. And I know I'm bouncing around here a little bit. Not in my car, but bouncing around talking on the pod here. Uh, but they, they, got a, they got a turnover late. And it's 21-17 at that point. And uh, they need to run some time. But they're also, I think there's like 50-some seconds left. And that's enough time in Jeff Brom's world to, to try to go down and get a field goal or a touchdown. But, you know, they go three and out. They have to punt back. Jonathan Taylor has a long run. Uh, they make a short pass. There's two seconds left, and the guy hit, hits a 62-yard field goal. So that's, you know, I, that's why I'm saying when you, when you have an opportunity, when you get a turnover like that or you have an opportunity to put some points or at least get yourself in a position to score points, you got to do it. And, and, and they didn't. And, you know, it kind of cost them uh, three points. In the big picture, Purdue loses by 21 What's three points? They lose by 18. Uh, but uh, the point being that I, I felt Purdue really had to score some points today, and I, you know, I think they kind of maximize what uh, what their offense could be today. Uh, they don't have a strong running game, you know that. Uh, but you know, the, uh, Aiden O'Connell kept feeding David Bell and Bryson Hopkins. They kept making plays, uh, kept ma- kept putting Purdue in position to to not get completely. Uh, blown out uh, in this game, uh, so you know, you know, I thought O'Kane, uh, O'Connell really threw the ball well the first half. I mean, he really did. And this kid has, you know, we saw it in camp. You, know, you watch, you watched him in camp, you know, back in August, but you never really watched him with the idea that he would play in a game. Uh, but he, you know, he he has a nice arm. He has really grown up and matured and improved he's you know when when you get to spring ball you know depending on the health of of Jack Plummer uh, Aiden O'Connell may be your number one quarterback in spring ball I know that doesn't mean a lot they're going to have to watch Plummer he can't can't take every rep but O'Connell's going to get in this competition he's going to get in this quarterback competition I'm, I'm confident once this season is over and we get a chance to talk to Jeff Brom about looking ahead to the spring, that I'm, I would be surprised if Jeff Brom, you know, doesn't say, you know, we're going to have a quarterback competition and Aiden O'Connell's right there and Jack Plummer's right there and whoever else, if somebody enrolls early, they're going to be right there. If you get a graduate transfer at that position, they're going to be right there. Uh, so we may get back to the point of um, where the backside report on Twitter becomes even more popular than what it is because we may not know who the starter is going to be week to week. Uh, it all depends how they perform. And, you know, maybe Aiden O'Connell is hitting his ceiling right now or his ceiling is, is so far away in a positive direction that maybe he maybe he's maybe he's the guy at some point. Uh, but back to the game, you know, halftime Purdue still in a pretty good position, I thought. You know, the defense again, they they just they were not going to be able to to, to kind of slow Wisconsin down. And then, you know, I, I think what really hurt the defense, um, you know, a couple things. Number one. You know, Wisconsin started using the Wildcat formation. 
put a more speedy guy back there. You know, they had multiple guys taking snaps today. But they've also incorporated those jet sweeps. And I think they ran more jet sweeps in Wildcat formation than they've run in a single game this year. Now, did they see something in Purdue's defense that led them to, to do that? Or was that something that they were trying to get on tape to make Minnesota prepare for uh, next week? Uh, coaches do do that. When, you know, and I, I, you know, I think Wisconsin felt confident they could win this game. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think they were overconfident or cocky about it. They just, you know, they felt like the, you know, if they, if they, if they played the way that they're supposed to play, then they would win the game. So, did they put things on tape just for Minnesota to practice next week, or did they see something in Purdue's defense that they could exploit? Probably a combination of both. And the other part that uh, that uh, I guess uh, was worrisome from Purdue's standpoint, and you know George Karloftis, Karloftis and Derek Barnes, uh, I, I thought did a pretty good job off both edges uh, Saturday. Uh, George was, you know, he's impactful. He only had, you know, he had three tackles, but he had a couple quarterback hurries that forced uh, Jack Cohen to get rid of the ball early. Um, and then he had forced a fumble and recovered a fumble. Uh, and then Derek Barnes had a forced fumble and was credited with a sack. Uh, so I, you know, I thought those two, you know, brought brought enough pressure. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't every play, but there were several plays where Cohen just had a lot of time in the pocket. But the other factor was that. Uh, his receivers were running wide open in the secondary. And it, it looked like Purdue was giving um, cushion, but way too much. And they looked like they were scared to get deep, beat, uh, get beat deep, which, you know, you understand. But if you can't get to the quarterback, then you've got to play tighter, especially on the perimeter. Uh, there, there were a lot of wide-open guys running around in the secondary uh, tonight. And that's that's going to be a follow-up question to, to, to Jeff Brom on Monday as far as, you know, why was it that way? Was there, you know, are there missed assignments there? Uh, is it, was that the calls? You know, how did that, how did that all unfold? I, you know, I felt like they could have played uh, a little bit, a little bit tighter in their coverages. Uh, or, you're going to bring more people. Now you're, in, you know, some of this is a byproduct of uh, of how good Wisconsin is running the ball. So you you have to respect that. Uh, but you know, you're in an elimination game when it comes right down to it. You needed to win this game. I'm talking about Purdue, they needed to win this game to stay on a bowl eligible track. So you know, especially in the first half when some of those passes are just basically pitch and catch that you need to get a little bit more aggressive I think and again if you're not gonna if you're not gonna bring more than four then you I, I think you got to play a little bit tighter uh, and if they beat you deep they beat you deep uh, that's just that's the way that's the way it goes I mean Purdue just doesn't have enough right now to uh, I guess to sit back and just kind of let, let a quarterback pick you pick you apart 
Uh, I mean, Wisconsin was going to move the ball regardless, whether it was on the ground or through the air. Uh, but you know, you, you got to, you almost got to take one of them away if you can. Uh, and you know, maybe maybe they were confident that uh, uh, Karloftis and Barnes could get a little bit more pressure than what they got. You know, I thought they played well, but uh, to beat a team like like Wisconsin, you need everybody. And you know, I think it shows just how far away Purdue is from consistently competing for the Big West title, and that's a goal. And I think it's a it's a it's a reachable goal. And I do think that over time, uh, assuming Brom is is here, recruiting continues, and they can add some pieces every year, whether through the graduate transfer market or the junior college market that Purdue will get closer to to competing and staying in that Big Ten West race a lot longer than what they're doing right now. Uh, and, you know, the, and those things, you know, have to happen. And, I, you know, and I think they will, assuming, the you know, all the other stuff stays in line. So, you know, you, you get to the second half of the game. You know, Purdue's down 24-17. They're still within it. You know, as long as they were within a touchdown... You really, uh, you like, you like their position. Uh, so they, they were really going to have to, uh, they, they couldn't let that lead grow. So Purdue gets the ball to start the second half. I mean, I'm sure all of you have watched the game. You know what, you know where I'm going with this. And, you know, their first drive, you know, they're moving down the field. They're doing well. And then, boom. Uh interception and you know that that was to me the play of the game you know Aiden O'Connell's intercepted he rolls out couldn't get his feet all the way set uh, couldn't get enough on the pass and uh, David Bell had the corner beat but um, the safety Eric, Eric Burrell came over and kind of picked off the ball. I, you know, I think if O'Connell throws that ball to the pylon, yeah, it's either incomplete or David Bell's the only one that can get it. Uh, but it, it hung up in the air too much, and it, it allowed it allowed the safety to come over and and pick it off. And uh, the, the end result of that was. Uh, Wisconsin getting the ball and then moving it 95 yards and going up by two scores. And to me, that was that was the game. Um, that was the ball game. Uh, although Purdue came back, made it interesting. Um, you know, got within 14 again. Uh, but you know, that that was really to me the the kind of the the, the key play of the game that that. Uh, that told you that Purdue was, you know, not going to win the game today. You know, I, I again, I felt if they stayed within uh, a touchdown, and then if they could get the ball late in the game, down a touchdown, that, you know, you, you give yourself a chance. But once you got behind by two touchdowns and you were just not being able to stop, um, stop Wisconsin, it just... You know, it ended right there. And, I, you know, I think Purdue threw a lot of good punches in the first half, but they just kind of ran out of steam, uh, and they didn't really have any punches left uh, from an offensive standpoint uh, in the second half. And, uh, 
the score ended up 45 uh, to 24. Uh, and that's, you know, that's probably indicative of how the game was and how it was played. And, um, but, you know, Purdue's defense just has to, you know, they needed they needed to get a stop. And, they, again, they got the turnovers, but they didn't, you know, uh, the offense really didn't convert them. And that, that was, uh, you know, that was big. You only got seven points off those turnovers. And, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to get more than that. And, you know, they just didn't do it. And, you know, they're, they're hamstrung in a lot of ways uh, with, you know, you got a third-string quarterback walk-on out there who's, who's played well and was playing well today. Uh, you got a, you know, offensive line that still needs some work. Um, and you, you didn't have a running game. So, you know, there's some, some things standing in the way. But, you know, Purdue looked like it was doing enough on the offensive end to, to stay in the game and win the game or potentially win the game. Uh, but, you know, they just, in the end, they just could not, you know, they, they, they just made, they made, they made too many mistakes and the mistake was the, the interception. And that was, um, that, that just kind of turned the game. If you score a touchdown there, uh, you know, you're tied. And then, uh Wisconsin gets nervous at that point. I don't think there's any question about that. It's tied. It's the third quarter. You know, this Purdue team is hanging in there with them. You know, they're going to, you know, they're going to hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor, but all of a sudden things are tight. And, you know, and Purdue's gaining confidence. Purdue's, you know, doing, doing all the things necessary. And, but, you know, it just didn't happen. So, um, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how it all played out for, for the Boilermakers today. And I, you know, I couldn't help but thinking that if somehow, some way, Rondell Moore could have played in this game, then um, I think Purdue probably scores 40 points. I, I just... I think he would have run wild on that defense today. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, and you team him with what David Bell was doing. Um, you know, I, I really, really think that, you know, Purdue probably gets in the 40s. Now, they still give up 40. But, I mean, you know, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I just, I just kind of think that. And, you know, I don't say that. You know, just for the fun of it, I, I really think that, you know, if, if a healthy Rondell Moore is in that game, then, you know, Purdue's putting up some serious numbers uh, from a point standpoint. Um, that didn't sound very good, but they're 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 putting up a lot of they're putting up a lot more points and doing a lot, doing uh, doing some pretty good things on offense today. But you know, Rondell didn't play, probably won't play next week, and. You know that's just that's just the way it is. So that kind of wraps up uh, uh, this podcast. I appreciate you checking in. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe. Tell your friends and neighbors. Uh, we'll have a preview of the Indiana game. Uh, hopefully uh, next week sometime. Basketball is headed to Florida uh, on Friday and Saturday of Thanksgiving. They'll play. They'll they'll go down there before that. But they play Friday and Saturday. Uh, big tournament for them, I think, because. 
Uh, they did beat Jacksonville State Saturday night, uh, but I, you know, I think this, the, these two games coming up, uh, worse, Purdue needs to get a split out of them. Ideally, they probably need to sweep, uh, but I don't know if they're ready to sweep sweep a team like VCU and either Tennessee or Florida State. I don't know if they're in that position yet. Uh, but this this is why you play these early season games, and then after that, you got Virginia coming to Mackey Arena. So Purdue's got a stretch here where uh, it needs to um, kind of um, start uh, stepping up a little bit against against better competition. And uh, curious how these next three games kind of unfold. As you know, football is a referendum every week. Where basketball, there are stretches and schedules where uh, you look at it and say, okay. How do, how do they fare in this three or four game stretch, uh, whether it be on the road, home, or whatever, and who they're playing? And this is one of those stretches coming up where I think Purdue has to show show a little bit more than what they did uh, against Texas and Marquette. Uh, you get a lead, you got to protect it. Uh, there's just some improvements you need to see from a basketball standpoint. Uh, but again, appreciate you listening and uh, have a good day. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast.